Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Detroit! Welcome to the Three Championship Drive podcast, where we only talk about the Detroit Pistons. Three Championship Drive is brought to you by TheMittenSports.com. You can check, out, check us out on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a comment, give us a rating. More importantly, hit that subscribe button. All right, let's get this started. I'm Lance Caprosen with Andrew from Everything Pistons. We got a big-time special guest, Mr. John B. Mason, the Detroit Pistons public address announcer. How are you doing tonight, my friend? What's up, gentlemen? How you feel, man? I feel good. It's summer, it's August, and it feels good outside. I uh, know. I can't wait to get back out there. But uh, we're going to do this podcast off right. I'm going to turn it over to Andrew. He's going to, you know, ask you a little brief uh, icebreaker question. Yeah. So, man, first off, foremost, again, thank you for coming on. But I need to know, first thing, when you're waking up in the morning, you, you brush the coal out of your eyes, you go to your cabinet and open it up. What flavor of Pop-Tarts are in your cabinet? Sourdough bread. There's no Pop-Tarts. He's Sourdough a healthy man. Bread. That's it. <laughs> I mean, I like. Well, I'm diabetic. They tell me. So that's where I'm at. Sourdough bread. If I can get two pieces of toast and a cup of coffee, I'm rolling. You're the I second think... person we asked that doesn't eat Pop Tarts, man. I never did, even as a kid. Never liked Pop. I like real breakfast sausage, eggs, grits, all okay. the good stuff. I do, too. I do, too. I mean, Pop-Tarts are nice when you're on the go. You know, little snack in the car when you're running late. That's what I like them for. But, you know, let's get into the mean potatoes of this uh, interview here. So, question number one, just take us back, man. How did your career start off, and how did you get your foot in the door to be on air as a radio personality? I was listening to a commercial. I, I, was, I was 15 years old walking to a candy store. I get to the candy store as I leave out of the store, I hear a commercial. And don't think I don't remember what that commercial was. It was for a wine company. And it was Canandaglia, New York. It was called Can I? Yes, you can. Can I white wine? Canandaglia, New York. I said, I want to get in the radio. I want to be in 
so I can say that. It just sounded so cool. Can I? Yes, you can. Can I white wine? Canandaglia, New York. <laughs> so I started, so I went into my bathroom and started practicing what I assumed was a DJ. And I did that on my way to Kent State University. It, did you do a radio show at Kent State? I did. The guy that followed me, now watch, this is an interesting story. The guy that followed me, he and I used the same young lady who had money to buy new records. So we both went to her dorm room trying to convince her. All right, so you're at Kent State. You you and your uh, the other person are buying records from the same girl. You guys are going to her dorm room. What happens after that? And borrowing. Yeah, we're borrowing those records. Gotcha. Okay. I gotcha. I actually did a free college radio show as well. That's how I got my start in this as well. And it's a fun, no it's a fun kidding. job. Yeah. I mean, dude, I mean, this is what I've wanted to do my entire life is, you know, you're a big inspiration for me too, to do public address announcements. That's why I did it for about two seasons. Would love to get back into it, but I did free. I did a college radio show, 105 episodes, a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. So it was fun. I also did it for a Mac school as well, Western Michigan. So we have something in common right there. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Kent State, Western Michigan, the Mac. The Mac. Mac action. That's what it's all about. So what I'm wondering is, is how did your career go from, the, you know, being an on-air radio personality to, you know, screaming out Detroit basketball at the Palace? Well, I switched radio stations, and they were trying to find a way to give me visibility for switching radio at Wayne State University, right? So I went to Wayne State and did it, hoping to find a person who sold tickets. Because now that I had a new job, I had some extra cash to buy season tickets. So I wanted a deal on the season tickets. So then at the end of the practice squad game, someone came up and said, okay, the next one will be at the palace. And I'm like, whoa, the real announcer, he probably doesn't do that pregame, that preseason stuff. So I said, but this time when I get there, I'm going to have the courage to ask him, can you give me a deal on some season tickets? So I get there. Everybody walks away at the end. I get a call the next day, and they said, we're going to send you the schedule. And believe it or not, there was no conversation, no audition, nothing. Wow. That's what they did. They, they emailed me the schedule. Wow. That's incredible, actually. That's, it yeah. is, because I didn't know a thing about it. <laughs> That's awesome. Don't you love it when it works out that way? Like, I mean, it's just an opportunity that falls into your lap and you take advantage of it. Of course. It. It's exactly what happened. The only thing I knew about NBA basketball or even college basketball, you think you, you hear the person in the background going, and so that's what I was trying to pretend I was doing. I said, just pretend. Well, Jason Kidd was like the, the most famous person on the floor when I did that first Palace preseason game. I didn't know what I was doing. So I went, Jason, 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 Jason. I'm trying to imitate the movie. 
And the guy next to me went, no, don't do that. Like, I don't know what to do. I never done it, didn't have a clue. That's okay. Well, that's interesting. So what do they tell you to do? Like, I mean, do they give you somebody to watch and to listen to or no. figure it out? I, I didn't. I just went to every game. And so Joey Crawford, who was the esteemed referee at the time, uh, one day I was doing a game. He came over. He goes, you don't make a call until I make a call. Are we clear? And I said, man, this is it. They're going to fire me. So he waited till the third quarter. In the middle of the third quarter, he stopped the game for no reason. He stopped it. He walked real slow back over to my area. And he said, kid, you got it. And he restarted the game. Wow. So I, I learned through trial and error. And uh, I didn't know where the referees were. I didn't know where the, who was making the call. I didn't understand half the calls. I'm a TV guy. I just hear the guy, the announcer in the background going, <laughs> so I was trying to make my, <laughs> that's all I knew. But I learned it game by game. That, that was one of the biggest things for me too was nobody ever told me what the referees were doing, like what the signals were or anything. And I'm just lost. And I'm like, I think it's a travel. <laughs> I don't know if it's a personal foul. I don't know what it is, but it's something. I love basketball. So, yes, I was reading online that you're more of a casual basketball fan. Do you think that helps versus being a hardcore fan of the game? For me, it probably did. I had no expectations. Um, I didn't really know. When I say casual, you know, when the playoffs come, championship, kind of watch. You peek at some games. You try to find some money to go grab a game if you can. Uh, I remember a friend of mine took me to a game. I was so excited. He took me to a game, and he had third-row seats. And it was just so unbelievable. So that's how much of a casual fan I was. Uh, Grant Hill, I did an interview with him on the radio. And he gave me some tickets. Uh and when he gave them to me, they were upper deck, and, and I had the phobia. So I said, could you tell Grant Hill I can't sit there? So they went and told him. He put me in his parents' seats on the floor wow. for that game. Wow. Yeah, fortunately, they weren't there, and I got to see, see it from the floor. And that's my only actual live experience uh, prior to, to doing what I do. I mean, it's a good one. I went with friends that didn't even buy me a drink, so better than mine. Yeah, but you know what? Shame on Grant Hill. That man could have put you courtside to begin with. Come begin on, with? Grant. <laughs> man, Mason, so talking about you not being a real avid fan, um, when going back to the beginning of, of getting this public address announcer job for the Pistons, did you maybe look at it as a way to boost your radio show? You know, I didn't care. I, I, um, that's a great question. I never looked at it. Well, once I was thrown in it, what I wanted to do was try to become good at it. Uh, I had no other alternative motive uh, except since they've got me doing it. 
learn how to be try try to learn how to be good at it. And yep. and um, one of the things I did was this is an interesting because you brought up a great point. So when I started, one of my gimmicks was to always wear a different pair of shoes every game and a different T-shirt. I didn't know. I just wanted to be different. And I never collected a paycheck. They told me the second to the last game of the year that there's a check. You didn't pick up your checks for the season. I didn't even – I'm sure I thought about they pay you, but no one said anything. Heck, I didn't care. I just wanted to master the art of what I was doing. That was my greatest interest. Yeah, you sure have, man. It's uh, reading about you from uh, what other announcers have said. They they put you online as the gold standard. So that's a beautiful thing. I, I'll tell you something. When um, Toronto once came in, it was preseason, and they used all European players. No Americans. So I struggled that entire game with the names. <laughs> they wrote in Toronto newspaper a two-page spread on me about not being able <laughs> to pronounce the names. But it was the greatest thing to even think that they cared that much. It was a preseason. Right. But I had to learn how to phonetically do it my way. Never could do it their way. So I do the NBA All-Star game, and I've taught myself how to write anything I'm going to say. So I always come in with a, with a marker and blank paper, and I write both lineups. And what I do is I, I write it totally incorrect, but the emphasis I understand. Yeah. So I'm doing the All-Star game in Vegas. They asked me if I wanted to type. I said, no, don't type it. So I take a lunch break. They swipe my paper, typed it, and I couldn't read it. I'm like, what is that? So I had to chicken scratch it all back out again. And I still do that to this day. I have to make a big P, a little I, a gigantic T, a medium-sized N or something. And that's how I, I phonetically taught myself my own phonetic spelling. No, it's smart. Like Giannis, Adetokumbo. So it's the letter A, the word debt, another A, so a debt. No, it's the letter A, the word debt, and then it's um, a data. So then it's an A-H. I put a, a line and C-O-M-B-A, Kumba. So it's a data Kumba. And that's yep. the only way I can do it. That's awesome. Yeah, I want to share it kind of quickly. Oh, go on. My bad. No, I'm just saying that's my little secret to getting players' names right. So quickly before we move on, I just want to share one quick little story. Like, so there was one – it was a junior college basketball game, and there was 
a foreign guy on the team and his name was spelled J-O-A-N. So I went up to the coach. I'm like, man, I know his name's not Joan. What's his name? And they were, and I talked to the assistant. He's like, no, it's Joan. It's Joan. I'm like, there's no way this dude's name is Joan. No, so for the entire, no. Yeah, it wasn't. So for the first quarter, I'm like, please welcome to the game, Joan Andoni stepping onto the floor. And, like, I probably said it, like, five times because he was just hitting shots. And the head coach was like, it's Jan, man. It's Jan. Stop saying Joan. Yes, I'm like, My yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, just, yes, 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 yes. That happens to me so often that the PR person comes around and go, listen. So, so my story is Rick Carlisle. Rick Carlisle, when I first started, he was, from what I remember, Rick was my first coach. So what Rick did, he did two things for me. He knew I was spanking brand new. And I was fumbling through some preseason stuff. He, he would come down and whisper the correct pronunciation for me. And he would be in a, he was in a press conference once. And he told the guys, hold up a second. He said, Mace, you all right? I said, oh yeah, coach, I'm good. And then they fired him. I'm like, oh no. And they fired Rick Carlisle because they said he wasn't friendly. Now, what do you think that did to me? A man who came down, Help me stop the press conference just to check on me. And they fire him like a week later and says, he's not a friendly person. Uh-uh. I'm guessing you thought about taking the Cleveland Cavaliers job. Woo. <laughs> you know, that job came up twice in my career. Came up twice. It came up the last time it came up, LeBron James. They would not say his name. Dan Gilbert said, somebody wants you so bad. So I'm saying to myself, you're the owner. If it's not you, who could it be? And he just said, he wants you so bad. So LeBron was doing this interview, and I was walking off the floor, and the PR guy stopped me, and he and then LeBron winked. I said, oh, this is, this is about LeBron. <laughs> but um, he won the championship and he was going away, so it never, it never happened. What I really wanted to do, I was crazy. Here's what I really wanted to attempt to do. I wanted to do Cleveland and Detroit. I wanted to do both teams. I got my son. I was going to have my son drive me back and forth. Oh, my god! And when they played each other, I think they had one game in Cleveland and one in Detroit. I was going to figure that out. And I think it came down to three games on the schedule that I just could not make. It was only three. Wow. Which I would have got a substitute for to do. But it was going to be the biggest coup for an announcer in the game. I got that close. But but LeBron won that year, and he went away. And, and, and so they were like – they were chilling a little bit on that opportunity, although they still offered it to me. See, you could have prevented the Miami dynasty just by going to Cleveland. That's all I had to do. Yeah. Go back home. Cause that's home for me. So that's all, you know, that was the, that was the point. It was home. Okay. So let's get back. Let's get a little back on track. I love these stories and I love these conversations, but um, 
How did you come up with the Detroit basketball? How did you come up with that? And was there any backlash from your bosses with you saying Detroit basketball? Well, yes. That was the wrong thing to say. So here's the way it works. You only speak if the referee tells you or there's a score or a foul or a stoppage in game. They will tell you if it's a stoppage, if they want you to talk. Other than that, it's got to be a, a made shot or a foul. Well, Houston Rock. So it was a game in which the Pistons appeared on national TV. And they hadn't appeared since, I, I think, since I had joined the team. And this was their first shot. And they were so good. So the young lady from ESPN has to sit next to me. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I heard her say in her headset, this is a boring game. This is when the Pistons were holding teams to 80 points a what night. a great time. Yes. So she said, this is a boring game. So um, they said, we're going to switch. We're going to go to Houston. We'll count you down. I'm like, oh, no. Don't take this from us. Don't right. take this. We're killing them. Don't take it. So she started counting. She went, Ted. <laughs> now, I'm like, I got to say something about the city of Detroit. I got to let the national audience know that this is us, Detroit. What can I say? Oh, five, four, three, two. So I subconsciously took a negative, flipped it into the positive. Here's the negative. The big things in arena in arenas at that time was air ball. I went yeah. Detroit basketball. History. So my bosses turned to me. I had three red faces to the right, three red faces to the left. 
and the guy who's in charge of me was doing this. And I'm like, oh my God. I said, I'm sorry. But but I knew in my heart I got out what I wanted. I don't even remember it sounding like that, but that's what I did. So they immediately got into his headset. They were saying, tell him he's to never do that. That is improper. Um, tell him that we're going to go into a meeting before we play the next home game. Please emphasize he did the wrong thing. So I said, well, well they're going to fire me. But I got a shout out for Detroit. So I've only been here a short time. And, and I won't be embarrassed about being fired because I got the shout out for Detroit. So they told me our next home game will be Friday. That was a Tuesday night. They said, so um, we'll have a meeting before you go on the floor. So in true intentions, I really plan not to show up. Like, I'm not going to do that. But I did. <laughs> but so the Pistons then travel to play a back-to-back in Indiana. They played on Tuesday night in Detroit. They go to Indiana. A fan has a gigantic sign that says Detroit basketball that made sports centers top 10. Wow. So when I get to the arena, there's no meeting. Uh-oh. I can't find people. And so I go to my seat. And when they all finally arrive, my boss turns to me and goes, listen, Whenever you want to say Detroit basketball, you go right ahead. Wow. So that's the legend of me saying it, and that's the reason why I said it. That's a great story. Yeah. It really that, is. That's awesome. And it's honest, it's what an iconic call in Detroit. I mean, if if you're even around near the to, world. Around the world. You're right. I apologize, Mason. But um, man. To be honest with you, my ringtone is you announcing Rip Hamilton in 2004. I get the Detroit basketball. I get the 6-6 God. There you go. I have it all, brother. But, uh, man, I just wanted to ask, do you talk to players when you're coming up with these introductions, or do you just straight off, you know, out of your head? Um, I do not um, talk to the players. The first player that ever spoke to me was not a Piston. He was a New York Nick. His name was Charlie Ward. He saw me in the tunnel. He said, can I speak to you? He said, come over here. So I said, yes, sir. He said, listen, you do something a little different. Don't let anybody stop you from doing that. Do you understand? I said, yes, sir. Yes. And at that time, I had never met a Detroit Piston. Uh, so Charlie Ward, uh, the Heisman Trophy winner uh, from Florida State, uh, told me that he was the first one to do that for me. Um, but no, I made it all up on my own. One day, though, Chauncey came to me. He said, um, he said somebody, I was scared. I'm like, oh, man, this guy is so pissed off the way I say his name. He, they kept, I tried to avoid it, but he said, no, they said, man, he wants to see you after the game. So we go, he goes far back where no one can hear us. He said, I want you to add this to my introduction. 
So it sounded like wah wah. I was too I was too starstruck to hear what he said. But the guy who told me to do it, I said, man, what do you think he was trying to tell me? He said, all he was trying to tell you to do his hometown, where he's from, to add that. I said, okay. I said, he was telling me, but I was too starstruck to hear him. So I added that, and that, of course, helped to the legend. Now, Rasheed Wallace once was in Cleveland, and they were playing the Cavs, and the announcer tried to do a facsimile of Detroit basketball. Sheed walks over to the announcer and say, hey, man, that's our stuff. That's Detroit. Don't ever say that again. True story. He's crazy. <laughs> but, yeah, so, you know, it's – um, I never did – the players never ever was part of – I thought of all of them as cartoons. and. Because I'm in music, there used to be a thing called a um, instant replay. It's a it's a machine, and if you touch the button, it'll go da 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 da. So I said, I'm gonna do like it's the replay. So that's kind of where I developed that part of it from. But they were like cartoon character characters to me. Ben Wallace, all of those guys. I started with Dana Dane. Uh, who was uh, Dana Barris. Yeah. Yeah, I used the rapper's name, Dana Day, for him. I never met him, never saw him. Um, but most of the players I never met, believe it or not. I did not have conversations. Um, Antonio McDice was a little shy about the intros that I did for him. Uh, be just because he wasn't as public. Mm-hmm. Um, that Mickey Mickey Mick Dice, that came from the rap group um, Crisscross. They go, Mickey Mickey Mac. So I'm like, oh, bam, Mickey Mickey Mac Dice. So a lot of the stuff I pull that way, or I'll read a little, a little line, like Greg Monroe. It was a throwaway line in an article in a magazine. And the magazine was talking about quickly about his childhood and his little nickname was Moose. And it just went on. It didn't get into why. Or I said, oh, that's his nickname. Because I think I was calling him like Money G or something, something. I said, oh, that's his nickname. Well, that means that's an approved nickname. So one day I came to the arena and called him Moose. And people turned and said, well, why are you doing that? Why are you calling him that? Um, I didn't tell him, I didn't tell him, but it simply read it in an article. It was real quick and they went away from it. So, yeah. I don't mean to keep like putting myself in this interview at all, but when I was doing, um, you've done this. Yeah. So when I did it for the, um, junior college basketball, there was, I would always see something that a player would do on the court. And I'm like, I'm going to come up with a nickname from based on what they were doing, or I would talk about it in the intro. Well, so yeah. there was this one guy, very athletic, had no idea why he was on the junior college level. He was a six-foot-one guard. He dunked it, I think, like three or four times in one game. So he comes up, and I'm like, at, at six-one guard, so-and-so, he'll put you on a poster if you're not careful. I thought I would get, like, applause and people cheering it on. Silence. Like, not a single thing. So I'm like, 
it was a little embarrassing, well, but it was just like, but I mean, I get what you're saying. Like you just kind of pick up on things from what you're watching yes. and what you're reading. And no, no, you did it. Through, that's, that's exact. Okay. So my two times when it didn't work two times in Detroit, Brandon Knight, yeah, they had a good game. Yeah. Eight seconds left. He's at the free throw line. There's eight seconds left. He makes the first shot. I said, uh, and you really don't even supposed to comment on the free throw. But I, it's eight seconds to go. I go, Brandon Knight, one shot left, and then it's good night for Brandon Knight. And, boy, the brass came down on me. Oh, we don't do that. But the other time I was doing NCAA basketball, I used to do, for about five years, I did their three-point contest and their all-star thing. And so this player, he was pretty popular at the time. Um, and again, I'm going by the same rules you're working with. I'm looking at him. I watched him warm up. He's from Miami. I go, shh, I think I hear a hurricane. I was in Louisiana, and the gym went silent. That was a no, no. You don't talk about her in Louisiana. No. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's, yeah, I don't know. That might be worse than mine. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the same thing. Yeah, it's the no. same thing. I'm glad you appreciate it. I'm glad we're on the same page with this because it's a difficult job. Like, I mean, it's a fun job, but man, there's a lot more that goes behind the scenes. So um, I got a question for you. What was it like that first game behind the mic in the palace? Were you nervous? I think I was more lost. I was lost. <laughs> it wasn't a big crowd. So here's a true story. I think I'm about four games in. I'm three games into the regular season. So to first of all, to answer your question, I I wasn't as nervous as I was lost. And being lost made me nervous. I just didn't know what I was doing. But about the third or fourth game, it was halftime. This beautiful lady comes up to me. She's a much older lady she's dripping in diamonds and pearls she puts her hand on my shoulder and says young man when will the real announcer return <laughs> and i said to her in three weeks because <laughs> i was really saying to her you give me three more weeks i'm gonna figure this out I so like yeah that's that, that first First game, I, I think I was just, I was so lost. And it wasn't a lot of people at the Palace. They hadn't, you know, they weren't a, a, a good team or anything. So there wasn't a lot of people there. And again, I didn't think I was the PA announcer. I'm still thinking I'm filling in for the real guy who comes back when the regular season starts. So I was just trying to find my way, and that made me nervous that I didn't know what I was doing kind of thing. 
I probably didn't even make the calls. I don't know what made them think that I could even do it. But Pete Scorch and Diane Ferrante, they just, I guess they just said to themselves, we'll just teach him as he goes along. So that's that's probably the answer to that, yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's a great, it's a great answer and it's a great story. <laughs> I'm so glad they let you keep the job, so. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. So finally they tell me, so I said to her, Diane, she called me. Now we're getting ready for regular season. She said, I'm going to send you the regular season schedule. I said, so, so, so wait a minute. So you mean I'm going to, to do the games? And she said, yes. She said, Ken Calvert recommended you. And because he was a radio friend, um, we weren't buddies. He knew me through the industry. We had spoken, but for some reason, Ken Calvert thought I would be a good choice to do it. He went on to do, he became the, the PR person for PGA golf for two or three years. They offered him a contract. So he left, but yeah, that that's how it happened. And I, all I was concerned about was trying to wear some kind of fancy T-shirt and wear a new pair of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> so when when you're announcing a game, do you ever try to play like head games? Like, you know, hey, the team really needs a boost right here. Let me really put something on this, you know, announcement and, and try to get them a little boost here or, you know, maybe even get into opposing players' heads? Well... Yes, yes, and yes. So, so I think the first time I kind of thought about something like that, I, I, I guess I was trying to. I'm going to use this word, but but it wasn't meant to do this. Mm -hmm. It was an attention grabber, but I was trying to just. So, let's say it was Carmelo Anthony, and Carmelo just hit a three. He came right back, hit another three. So I would say his name, same tone, as quick as I can to make the team say, you know, or the coaches, somebody to say, hey, we got to do something. So I go, Carmelo Anthony, Carmelo Anthony, Carmelo. I wanted it to sound like, damn, would you stop saying that? So that they would, it would grab their attention to try to do something to stop them. So from that perspective, I used it for that. Um, the other thing I like to do is I think at least what I'm doing is because I don't have the arena voice, but what I like to do is tell a story. So I'm trying to tell the story as it's unfolding. Actually, most announcers as the game, uh, gains pressure and gets toward the end, they start to get louder with the crowd. I have a tendency to pull back some and try to explain where we at. You know, time out Detroit. I do it that soft. Like they gotta go over there and figure this piece out right here. You know, or 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 I'll hit the other team and go, Indiana wants a timeout in Detroit. As if to that. say, yes. As if to say, man, we do this all the other times. It's not this hard, but this is, you know, so, I, so those I use those kind of finesse pieces uh, in calling the game, and then I try to tell the story. The uh, before going to Little Caesars Arena, 
I had more flexibility. I've had like three different management changes, but the initial management change, uh, the uh, my initial managers would allow me to talk more to the crowd, literally talk, not arena announcement, talk. I go, okay, y'all, it's the fourth quarter. I mean, we got four minutes left. What are we going to do? You know. So they allowed me to do that, and we had an intimacy, myself and the crowd, because of that, the building and the management. Um, and, of course, that helped me a lot, and it helped the team. Um, I think I had more interaction with the coaches than the players. Um, Flip Saunders, uh, Lawrence, um, I forget Lawrence's last name now. Lawrence Frank. But Lawrence, they – Lawrence Frank, thank you. Yep. Lawrence Frank, Flip. Um, uh, I did not have a good relationship with Larry Brown, of all people. <laughs> uh, but everybody else, it, it, it was it was great. The players that I was Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace, and Chauncey. Uh, and um, what was his name? Chucky Atkinson. Those were the players I had the greatest relationship with. Um, while I was doing it. Well, now that you dropped that bombshell on us, can you expand on your relationship with Larry Brown? I mean, that is like, that's insane. Larry Brown was pissed at me because he thought I could have controlled the brawl. What? And yeah. So what happened was, again now, remember if we go back to my conversation, only the referees can tell you to start talking about things that are not pertaining to the floor. Right. So this is a, this is about to go down. And Zach Zora, my good friend, the referee. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. He put, he, as this was starting to happen, he kind of put his hand up. You know how you kind of do like, like hold up. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were trying to control the situation on the floor. Well, it eventually got totally out of hand. Larry Brown runs down and goes, why the fuck are you not saying something? I'm like, dude, whoa, <laughs> hold up. I said, first of all, I got to wait on the refs 
I'm not really clear on what's going on, and this has never happened. I got to wait. Um, and then and then I said a seven-footer. So Indiana had a seven-footer. Can't remember his name. He wasn't a starter, but he jumps over me, and his foot catches the backup mic's cord, and he yanks it out. So I've got no mic, and I'm trying to tell everybody. I, I got no mic. The refs told me to hold up. He's going, he's cussing. He's just going crazy on me, right? So finally I get a backup mic. It's so out of control. I take the chance and start talking, telling people to stay cool, stay in your seats. Don't. Da-da. So I do the, the, the whole thing, but initially I couldn't do it. So, so I get a call from the David Letterman show. And they're like, we're going to fly you here, man. We're going to fly you here, put you on the show. You're the most different uh, announcer in the game. Uh, Larry Brown, we're going we're gonna to have you introduce your coach. So come up with something for your coach. They called me back the next day and said, oh, you know, after we told coach, he said he had something to do. We got to cancel. Oh, <laughs> man. He didn't man. want me. He didn't want to be associated with me. <laughs> you know- That's the funniest so I lost my chance of David Letterman because Larry Brown was still pissed at me about the brawl. <laughs> I think I remember that moment. I think it was David Harrison. He goes over the table because I vividly remember. That's who it was, yes. I vividly remember, like, Larry Brown picking up the microphone and, like, I think looking at you. It was dead. Slamming the microphone on the table and like does like two yep. bats with his hands and then he just walks away and you're like, what? I mean, that's good. That is do? good. So that's yes. what I remember from that. But well, you um, got it. You yeah. had the visual. That was it. I just, dude, that's like one of the one memories that really stands out for me. I think maybe because I've done the job and I know, like, I didn't never had to deal with a brawl, but like. I get it. Like coaches expect a little bit more from you, but refs have their own rules, so you have yes. to follow it. And and the only thing about it is it unfolded slowly, and every time it looked like they could, you know, they kind of let it happen, and then they go try to, you know, calm it down. But it just kept unfolding, unfolding, and the refs certainly didn't want me to rile up the crowd when they thought they could get it on hand on the floor. I got so it. So that, that kind of was what it was. But it was funny. He was pissed. He was so mad. I'll never, I mean, I'll never forget the look on his face. Like, that's for sure. Oh, you suck. I, I go back and look at it myself. <laughs> he was mad. So he killed my David Letterman interview. Well, maybe David Letterman will let you guys on now to, like, reconcile the relationship that would be great that would be be great all right so you're the only public address announcer they brought in for the all-star game i believe in the history of the nba what was it like to get that call to go to the all-star game i had just become uh i just went independent as a radio personality meaning um i owned my morning show uh, and that was just beginning to take off. And, uh, then I get that call. I'm like, wow. I mean, I was floored. It was, uh, 
it was amazing. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I couldn't. I just couldn't believe it. The, the guy calls me. He goes, Mace. I'm like, yeah. He goes, this is such and such from NBA TV. I'm like, oh, okay. He goes, you know, I, I want to be the first to congratulate you. You're NBA All-Star. I'm like, what does that mean? He means we want you in Vegas to call the game. I go, oh, you got to be kidding. He goes, no, da 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 boom, 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 boom. Now, he had spoken to me uh, during the season, you know, as a national person, but um, I had a few people, you know, the, Al Michaels, Mark Jackson, uh, and, of course, um, uh, coach from uh, the Clippers. I just looked at can't call his name right now. Doc Rivers. Doc. They gave me so much love on national TV, uh, along with Britt Musburger, who was doing radio, that it was a, such a humbling thing that they would do that. And then you helped me with his name again, too. It's only because I've been doing something totally different from basketball today. Yeah. Um, he was the announcer. He was he was the NBC Merv. Marv Albert. Marv Albert announced the year before. He goes, well, we've got the Pistons here. The only one's not here is their announcer. And all of that came into play, I'm sure, when they did that. And from there, I get a call from Turkey. And the guy says, you have been selected as the international all-star arena announcer in the world. And we want you to come and call the game. <laughs> Whoa, where? He said, we're in Cyprus, Turkey. It's a small island off the Mediterranean Sea. Oh, my God. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, so he, he flies me. Rick Mahorn was a special guest. They fly us. We went across the, the globe and... When I walk into the arena, the crowd stands to their feet and goes, Zero basketball. That's awesome. And I was like, wow, man. Wow. So we had bodyguards. People knew me everywhere I went. They would replay the games in Europe. So they would replay the whole season over and over and over and over and over. So people knew who I was on site. So it was quite a, a beautiful year uh, and, a, and a humbling experience uh, to be named an NBA All-Star and an international. I so like I got a, just a quick question. 2005 playoffs, All-Star game or international All-Star game, which is the best to call? Uh, the playoff game. Yeah, uh, I think I said 05, I meant 04, 2004. Um, what was the best? Yeah, just what, what was your uh, most fun to have? You know, I, I kind of assumed it'd be like an all-star game because you could just have that energy up on both sides of the court and, you know, just yelling and screaming. Well, there's a story to the all-star game. <laughs> As I told you, they took my papers and retyped it. The person uh, who was in charge of me 
doing that was not familiar with me. And I was like a headache to her. This is a true story. It's like out of a movie. So we rehearsed for three days. Rehearsals were not going good. Uh, and she didn't want me to do that extra thing that I do. She kept saying, no, we can't do that. We don't have the time. Can't do that. So on the day that they took my notes and typed them during the lunch break, and when I came back, I'm like, oh, my God. So that it, was some, it was three men sitting two rows behind us in the rehearsal. They're dressed in black, and they both had on sunglasses. Go figure. They hear me complaining about that. And I said, ah, I got to go try to find the person who took my actual notes because I can't read this type stuff. As I walked by them, they said, hold up. They said, are you okay? I said, I just got a little issue. I just need my notes back. They typed it. And they said, um, are you comfortable? And I said, well, you know, I mean, I'm not going to be able to do what I do. They said, don't go looking for your notes. Wait right here. They went to the table. I don't know what they told her or who they were. But when, when they told me to go back to the table, she didn't bother me the rest, the rest of the Austin. <laughs> so they were pretty important. Um, so I want to throw that in. But there's nothing like I watch, you know, I watch Kobe. Uh, and I once said it in an interview, and I think they destroyed the interview. He he was not comfortable in Detroit in that final game five. He just was not. And he was he was very um disenchanted with the Lakers. You guys made the building move. It was not stable, and I sincerely mean that, not from a uh, 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 I mean literally the building was moving. Uh he had not seen a crowd like that. In a game that big, I'm sorry. I know he's the great Kobe, but he had not seen a game like that. He had they not been in him. a building. It did. It did. And it took a little piece of him off. It did. And 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 uh, as great as Kobe was, that atmosphere finally got to him some. So when they would call timeouts, I would watch him because he was the superstar. He wouldn't even sit with the team doing timeouts. He said four chairs away from them. I'm like, they're not going to win this. Um, so that game probably was the game for me to call. Yeah, that was the one. That's awesome. And speaking of, of Kobe, this actually leads us perfect segue into, our, into my next question. What's it like announcing and knowing you're announcing a great you know, NBA players last game, whether it be, you know, the Kobe Bryant's, the Tim Duncan's, the just any player that revolutionized the game or, you know, a big name, what's that like? Just, you know, it's the last time. Whatever they say I could do, whatever it is that I think that I can do, here's where I had to do it. Yeah. And so that's what I put into it. Of course, I was told later that evening, that night, hey, that was a little too much. <laughs> but 
I still had about a half a half a tank more that I really could have poured, but I I did hold back some. Um, and he was a beautiful man. He came over and said, "Hey, man, thank you for that." Um, but me and Kobe, that's funny. He and I had had a couple of other conversations. I, I really want to share this with you. Please. Uh, this this one is. Um, I know one time uh, he came and played, and I, I stopped him on the floor, and said, uh, "Hey, Kobe, I I do a radio show and I play motivational pieces in the morning. I play a lot of your pieces, uh, so thanks for that. I just wanted you to know that it helps people." And he stopped. He's, "Oh, that's cool, man." Da -da -da -da. The very first time I had an interaction with him, these beautiful women couldn't get back to the tunnel. And they said, we're from the Junior Diabetes Association. Could you ask Kobe to sign this jersey? Now, if I'm caught doing that, I'm fired. You yep. cannot do that. But I did it anyway. And I said, and he was talking to Shaq and somebody else. I said, man, I really, I apologize for him for breaking this. I said, these people, I said, and if you can't do it, I told him, I said, you know, you can't do that to players. He, he took the jersey. He says, no problem. And, and he signed it and then he made Shaq sign. Yeah. Then he gave it back. Wow. Um, but the last conversation we had, um, Kobe had come to Detroit and these three heavy set women, they didn't, you could tell they didn't, they were not rolling in money. They were heavy set. They were not attractive. And I don't mean anything by that, but I want to set this picture. So Kobe's talking to them, not for two minutes, not for 10 minutes. He talked to them for 35 minutes. The reason I did it, because I wanted to say something to him, and I kept watching the time. He talked to him for 35. So I'm eavesdropping a little bit to see what are they talking about. He, they're trying to create some kind of business. He's giving them information. He's giving them motivation. So when he comes back the next time, I said, Kobe, I said, I don't mean to bother you, but I got to tell you about the last time you were here. And you took 30 minutes to motivate these women about their business. He just had the biggest smile. He had the biggest laugh. You could tell that I couldn't have said anything that could have touched him more than telling him that I witnessed that. And he said, it was no problem. Then he went on saying they were, yeah, they were trying to start a business. He was giving them some stuff, but he didn't hesitate. He didn't hurry away 30 minutes. So that's the Kobe Bryant that they, that they portray out there. That's the Kobe Bryant. He really was. Yeah, and I'm just hearing that story, I've actually seen uh, Anthony Tolliver, recent Piston, uh, after games in, in Charlotte, sit and talk with the Boys and Girls Club. Um, George Blaha actually pulled Anthony Tolliver over and just said, hey, could you say, hi, uh, say just say hi to the kids. It would mean the world. And Anthony Tolliver, he sat down and he talked about these kids yeah. about staying in school, staying on the right path. And I tell you what, Anthony Tolliver's got a lifelong fan in me because with your Kobe story and with my Tolliver story, there's not many players like that in the NBA. No. That'll take that extra no. second. No. 
No, but let me tell you about one more. This one will shock you. Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban will talk to anybody about anything. Yeah. In his, all you got to do is grab his attention. And it's not like you're grabbing him and he's like, oh, you caught me. No, no, no. What do you want? And he wants to talk about what you want to talk about. That's and awesome. I mean sincerely, that's Mark Cuban. That's, I mean, I saw him do that three times, and I always laugh at him. I said, they always catch you. And he smiled and kept talking. So, yeah, but you're right. There are not many players that would do that at all. I just want to say, um, before we did this, I watched your um, the final introduction for Kobe Bryant, and I gotta say, man, it it gave me goosebumps. Like, it was it was phenomenal. But I do gotta ask, with everything that has happened since that moment, do you wish you could go back and change a little bit of it? Like, go the extra the extra more you said you had. Oh, for, for the the moment after I I completed it. I wanted to go back and 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 just empty my tank on it. Um, I probably added almost thirty seconds to what they gave me. I just I could have just yes, and of course yes, of course. You know what that was like? The parent that you wish you could have said one more thing to that passed away. Um, and you know you said the right thing, but you wish you just would have said that one other thing to that parent who passed away. And and yes, that that's how I felt. Uh, he, he, the accolades for him, and he was just so shy about it. But they were all him and he liked that kind of thing. I, he just, he was he was the person that, that they said he was. So I got to ask you, when a visiting player does something spectacular, even though I don't really want to move away from the Kobe stuff, but when a visiting player comes in and they do something spectacular on the court, do you have to catch yourself from cheering for them? I sneak it in. <laughs> I will, I, if I, if, you know, I will, tr I will try and sneak it in. Um, the one regret of not sneaking something in happened this last season. And, um, old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It was Vince Carter. Um, he had came over and said something to me earlier in the game, and I said something respectful back. And then he came from the bench again, and he was about to check in. And he says to me, you know this is my such and such number game. He said, no player's ever done that. I said, I'm going to say it. He went, no, 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 no. He said, don't do that. Don't do that. Um, and I forgot why I came up. I don't know how we were chatting like that. And I still should have did it, even though he told me not to. Um, but the Piston people would have had a fit. <laughs> um, but I have taken chances, and I have said things uh, about opposing players. I've occasionally used their nicknames. Um, I am notorious. Here's one thing that they've told me. Uh, I remember Pete Scorich. He, he taught me, he said, don't do that thing that you hear those announcers do, that low talk introducing the visiting team. He said, all these guys are stars. And I said, you know what, Pete? You are right. You're right. And from that moment, I've not been able to do that. And I've been told a few times you need to kind of tone down your intro for the – but how can you? I mean, how, how do you how do you do that? How do you say – how do you say uh, – a player, how do you just, I just, I, I, I couldn't do it. I, to just even thinking about it like now, I just don't know how you can diminish what they've done to be where they are and to do what they do. The, I mean, I could never imagine just dropping a low tone, uh, ineffective voice to say, um, uh, Steph Curry. I, I, I don't know how you can. I just don't know. I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't care. It's the one fight that we'll always have. But I can't do that. Yeah, I, I can't. Yeah, I and I'm also notorious for, for taking kids. No, go ahead. Oh no, no, no. Go finish your story. You're notorious. No, I was just going to say. Yeah, I'm notorious for taking kids who come to the arena dressed in the opposition's uniforms, jerseys, and all of that. Little kids whose eyes are just glowing, and I will wa I'll watch them for a while, maybe about four or five minutes. And that's not their seat, but everybody's allowed to come down early. And I will go grab one of those kids. The last two kids I grabbed were two young ladies from Canada. It was the Raptors. One of them, it was their, and I didn't know this until after I took them back. One of them, it was their birthday. And neither of them had ever seen the Raptors live. They had never been to Toronto to see them live. Their one chance. And I take them on the floor where the visiting team warms up. I stick them right on the backboard, and any of the players that I recognize, here's where I try to use my 
celebrity or fame or whatever it is, you know, and, 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 and I'm bad for that. I did it with Boston. These kids wanted to meet um, Marcus Smart, and I took the little boy. His mother wasn't there. She had gone to concessions or something. I took him on the floor. He met Marcus Smart. He wanted to see Kyrie Irving. So I put him like right up close to Kyrie. And when I took him back to the stands, his mother came and the little boy just broke down and cried for like 15 minutes. He oh couldn't my. stop crying. So that's where I use my celebrity. Whatever people want to say is my celebrity, that's when you use it. Not to get in the club, not to get a girl's phone number, but to take a kid and give them that experience that they couldn't have gotten otherwise. And I, I, I do it all the time. And I'm looking for the visiting people who come out to see the stars of the opposite team. That's, that's really cool that you do that. That's, that's yeah, awesome. Never, never change. Never, yeah. never, ever change. Oh, bless you. No, I, and, and I don't want to. That's, it's, it's the, you know, and I tell people that's the one time. I, and I think, I know one time I, uh, I kind of got in trouble. Somebody's security, it was some big superstar. Anyway, the security came up to me after the game. They said, hey, man, you got to let us know when you, <laughs> I'm like, okay, my fault. But I really don't care. Those kids, I mean, I mean, I've taken kids. I, I've tried to grab kids, and the kid thought I was kidding. There's no way. Whoever you are, you can get me on the floor. Stop saying that. I'm like, come on, come on. And the parent will watch and say, I got him. Just, you can watch. Just come on. You know, I, I that's, I, I, I just know what that would, would have been like for me. Yeah, that would so be, my, oh. My, my next question is is a real, real simple one. Mason, do you feel sorry for the next PA announcer that has to fill your ginormous big foot size shoes you left on, on the Detroit Pistons? I don't think they'll have a problem. Oh, oh come on. <laughs> no, well, 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 what I mean by that is it'll be their turn. Yeah. Um, they'll come in initially probably trying to do some things. There was a kid in uh, Minnesota. He lived in D.C. Um, he made the final rounds of being the PA guy. It was, he, was, he, he went through 100 people. He made the top five. He, had, he told George Blaha, somebody got my number. He said, they told me if, if I can sound anything like you, that I'll get the job. <laughs> he got it. But I think the next person will be able to do uh, a facsimile of, of some of the stuff I do. But what what, I, what will happen, they'll get comfortable and they'll, they'll bring them yeah. to the game. Yeah. And, 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 and they'll bring them to the game. Um, and that's, that's what I really feel. I'm excited about who the next person will be. They're going to get a great opportunity. But not for a uh, long time, right? <laughs> not for a while. Yes, sir. Not for a while. Yeah. Let me just – But it'll, it'll be fun. I, I want them to do it, though. Let me just say I'll do a good enough job, but I won't do it well enough where people forget about you. 
So No, no. They they won't forget about me, but they'll enjoy you, you you'll bring that new spirit and 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 so so you gotta think about it like this. When you sit behind that mic, some parent has brought some six or seven year old and it's their first time. They heard you and they wanna come back. So they go back, guess who they heard? You. If they come back that third or fourth time and don't hear you, they'll know something's not right. Right. So if they hear that for four or five years, that's their memories. That's that's their whole that's their whole thing. Now remember the guy before me, his thing was uh, Joe Dumars, mm-hmm. you know. And people still remember that, and they they say that to me, and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, everybody. You know, God allows everybody to have their moment. Yep. Yeah, I was um, – so when I was doing the junior college game, it's a quick story. There was an older – he was like – he had been to every game. I think he was like close to 91 years old or something. And he came wow. up to me. Yeah, he had gone to every junior college basketball game. Men and women supported both programs. And he came up to me and he's like, you know what? I really like you. You bring a good amount of energy. Plus, the last good. guy, he smelled like marijuana. I didn't like it. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, they will tell you. And you should let the Pistons know the guy's name is Sean Martinez. You should let him know. If Mason ever gets sick or something, you can fill in. You, Sean Martinez. I will definitely write that down. I'm like, John. No, 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 no. Damn it. You better do it. I will. You better do it. Hey, hey, listen. I shoot my shots with whenever I can. Believe me, I have been blessed tremendously in this life, and the blessings keep coming. So I will definitely do that, especially with your vote. That's what I want to hear. That's what I want to hear. We got one question left before we end this interview, and it's pretty simple. Do you have a favorite call, or do you have a favorite player that you got to introduce over the years? Um. I'll go with the call first. When I was a little kid, <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. We used to play basketball and stuff like that. They go, that's out of bounds. So I thought they were saying out of bounds. They were saying out of bounds. I'm a little kid. I'm not paying attention. I'm not a basketball fans I'm not really paying attention so I used that call in the arena and some rich guy once came up to me and said I think that's the most unique thing that you say when you say out of bounds and he says he says to me because that means they can't bounce the ball again it's got to go to the other team and it's funny uh, and I would say it so so profoundly um and people probably thought I was saying out of bounds with emphasis. So uh, that's one. But I guess my favorite is uh, Pistons basketball going back down the floor. I like now, that when I too. do that one, that irritates visiting coaches. Dwayne Casey used to give me the hardest <laughs> stare when he worked for Toronto about that one. Because they're already frustrated. They're trying to finish. And here I go overemphasizing it again. So, uh, favorite player. Wow. 
Oh, that's a good one. I I love to introduce so many of them. But I'll give you one example of a fun one. Um, he played for the Denver Nuggets at the time. His name is Marcus Camby. So there was a movie Eddie Murphy was in called Boomerang. In that movie, it was this aging actress named Eartha Kitt. And she was trying to date Eddie Murphy in this movie. So she would go, Marcus, like that. So when Cammy would come, I would go, Marcus. <laughs> Cammy, he liked it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so that was, that's probably one of my fun favorites. Um, I once mispronounced Kenyon Martin. I overpronounced uh, Kenyon. I must have said Kenyon. And Richard Jefferson came down and said, hey, man, light skin is mad at you, man. You're going to see. <laughs> and he came down, did the muscle stare and that kind of thing. We ended up being uh, uh, really good friends. Um, he knew I meant it sincerely. You know, those players – uh, as quiet as it's kept, they may not look at you or respond, but they want those those introductions. They want you to say that they've come on the floor to do the warm-ups. They really want that. I remember uh, um, a couple times somebody was either distracting me and the team came on the floor for the first time to do their warm-up, and I didn't say, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Boston Celtics. And, you know, Occasionally, a player would come up and say, hey, man, you didn't say anything about us coming out. And you would say, whoa, really? That That's that important to you? Um, and it is. And if you mispronounce their school, I guess one of the most intimidating times I made that mistake, I think I said Shaq was from Louisiana Tech or something like that. And he came down to check in. All right. Hey, hey, why are you saying hey to me? Hey, I'm from, I'm from LSU. That loses it. I don't know. My, 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 my steak. <laughs> so, it is so huge. Looks like a giant. Hey, I'm ready. That hey resonated through my whole body. Hey. Shook you to your core. Whoa, what do you want with me? <laughs> what do you want with me? Um. So yeah, uh, it's 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 some fascinating. I know uh, Russell Westbrook is one of those players who doesn't do well with the crowd and that kind of thing. But people were shocked that he he would he come over to me and give me a pound. And I think some of those players that people think are all stuck up, they will come and say something, and they say some of the very nice things. Um, one player said, um, Al Horford would always say, you're the best in the game. And one time he's going on the floor, he said, man, they should put your jersey in the Raptors. They should put them up there. Uh, I'm with him. Uh, but to hear them break out of who they are to say something nice. Steph Curry, same way. I mean, so many of them. I'll give you this one last story, too, about Rasheed Wallace. Um who really liked me, um, we were not close or anything. Um, 
but one one time he was on the on the floor. The game had just started. Uh, three minutes into the game, he gets a tech, and the crowd goes nuts. It's three minutes in the game. He's got a tech already. <laughs> so he come, He's doing his, you know, hate hatred of the refs and. He's body jerking and all that. And he comes over. And before he passes me, he stops at the table and leans down. And he goes, he never called me Mason. He called me Maceo. He goes, Maceo, you should get them to get you a bobblehead. And then he walked to the bench. So everybody thought that he was chewing me out, saying that I said something to upset him. And he kept saying, what did he say? And I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell. But he was that aware of the game at all times. I mean, I've seen him tell referees, because you did that, we're going to win the game. Now, you can't tell the refs that. They can keep calling it so you don't. I've seen him call a player um, and say, man, I, you late getting over here to guard me. But I'll tell you this one last story about Rasheed Wallace. The Pistons were playing Orlando. And Dwight Howard, if, it, if he wasn't a rookie, it was his second year. And this was to go to the championship, the Eastern Conference Championship. Rashid goes to the arena early, tells Dwight Howard to come out. And he said, man, I got to show you what you're doing wrong. They recorded it. The network recorded it. And he took them through a 15-minute session about the position. He says, when you see me doing this, you can't react like this. You get... And they showed it once and never showed it again. But it showed the kind of guy he truly is deep down inside. I, I could never show a – you know, I would never think – that you could show a competitor something like that, even in a crucial time like that, even though they were, it, it seemed like the Pistons should have won that series. But boy, you, you're teaching one of their stars to be how how to play the position. But that's who Rasheed Wallace was. They played a joke on me. I had to ride the bus with the team once. And they let me sit in these seats. I went to the back to be out of the way, never knowing that the players sit in the back. And they wouldn't tell me. All the players came to the back. Nobody said anything. Then when he got on the bus, Chauncey went, you know those are sheet seats. I'm uh -oh. like, oh, shit. <laughs> he go, Maceo, how you get these seats? <laughs> I'm like, sheet, I'm sorry. They told me I can see some of you. <laughs> but, yeah. Dude, I think that's a great way to end this podcast. We appreciate yeah. you coming on. Thank you so much, uh, John Mason. We really do appreciate it. That's been our uh, three championship drive. You can check out every episode on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a comment, give us a rating. More importantly, hit that subscribe button. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. 
Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.